0: the parent, to teach your toddler essential developmental skills through play. Studies have shown that the parent-led model is highly effective while eliminating frustration over long wait lists or the worry about losing precious developmental time, all without the disruption of people coming into your home. Happy Ladders includes activities that target 150 essential developmental skills every toddler needs, as well as assessments in four different developmental areas. There's also an exclusive community of parents just like you and professional coaching to ensure success for both you and your toddler. To learn more, get a free trial, and take advantage of an exclusive limited time offer for my listeners, visit happyladders.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-L-A-D-D-E-R-S. Use the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout to save 50% off the monthly membership. Plus, get a free one-on-one session as well as access to the Tantrums and Meltdown mini course. This is a limited time offer, so act now. My name is Rob Gorski, and you're listening to the Autism Dad Podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time to tune in. I really do appreciate that. Uh, My guest today is Alicia Halliday. She is the chief science officer over at the Autism Science Foundation. She oversees uh, all of their science programs. Um, She holds a PhD in psychology from Rutgers University and has completed a postdoctoral fellowship in both pharmacology and toxicology at Rutgers University as well. Um, She was on the show I, was, I think we figured it was like three months ago. Actually, the way that we figured this was uh, as I'm recording this, w- recording the interview, we were, uh, my my kids and I were on day 150 of COVID lockdown. And I remember when we spoke last time, it was like day 75 or something like that. Uh, so it's been, it's been about three months. So it's been half a COVID lockdown ago is kind of the way we were jokingly figuring it out. Um, but she's, she's back and we're going to have a conversation about how the ongoing COVID crisis is impacting the autism community. Uh, we're talking about school related things like, um, you know, the impact of schools being closed, the benefit to kids going back to school, the safety concerns, the very real safety concerns about putting our kids back in the classroom right now. Uh, we're, we're talking about all that stuff. Talk about the stresses that families are facing right now as a result of, you know, uh, loss of employment, um, financial strain, uh, emotional stress, things like that. We're going to talk about, um, we're even going to talk about vaccines a little bit because there's already a movement within the anti-vaxxer community where they are discouraging the use of a COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's messed up for a million reasons. So we're going to kind of touch base on that too. So, uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Thanks. And we're back. And, uh, as I said in the intro, Alicia Halliday is, uh, back again. We were just trying to figure out before we started recording. I don't have the dates on my head, but it was, it was like half a lockdown ago. Yes. <laughs> That's how I, I, I can
1: actually look at my calendar, but it's not really important. It was mid lockdown, and now we're 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 a little bit farther we're along. A little bit farther so. away.
0: Everything is sort of judged by lockdown time now. It's <laughs> kind of like dog years. We've aged. <laughs> exactly. Oh, crazy. A- anyway, Alicia is the uh, chief science officer at the Autism Science Foundation and uh she's back again today we're going to have a couple of uh some conversation about what they've been up to uh as as uh the sort of covid nightmare has just sort of taken over <laughs> it's like a dream put it
1: lightly i yeah. use profanity <laughs> yeah so. you just can't
0: you just can't wake up from it. it's like that <laughs> like you know you're you just it's like that dream that just keeps going on and on and on and it's a nightmare. Uh, but thank you for taking the time to come on the show oh, I really thank appreciate it. You
1: for, for having me on,
0: um, f- for people who maybe missed the last episode or, uh, and I'll link to that in the, the notes so you can go back. And that was a fun one too. Um, can you just sort of, uh, give us a little bit of background as to what you do and all that fun stuff?
1: Yeah. So the, um, autism science foundation was formed in or established in 2009 um, with the goal of focusing on science and research. So um, there were other autism organizations out there, good ones that were promoting awareness and um, advocating for important laws, including insurance laws, to be um, implemented or even written. Uh, but um, there seemed to be um, really kind of a, a not so much of an emphasis on science in some of the organizations. And so, um, Allison Singer, Allison Singer, and Karen Lunding formed the organization in 2009, um, and we have grown every year since. Um, again, focusing on science, which means we fund early career investigators. We found that that really is a crucial point in the careers of scientists to not only support their research that they're doing to find answers for families but also keep that going for years to come. So what we didn't want to have happen is, you know, we fund one scientific study and got something, but nobody really committed to continuing that pipeline of discoveries that are important for families. And so that's what we mainly do is fund pre and postdoctoral fellowships. We fund um, early career investigators, we fund undergraduates Um, and we support science in a broad sense, we've we've supported you know animal models looking at a particular gene to everything from you know then finding out what why females are less likely to have a diagnosis compared to males. Um, we've funded uh, we fund infancy research, adult research. We fund science or participate or fund science into um, things like employment uh, or um, school based services, as well as um, not drug trials, but um, developing uh, communication and also working with companies that are developing drugs. I mean, these drug trials cost hundreds of millions of dollars. We don't have that kind of money. And, um, you know, we're working with different agencies to do that. And we also try and communicate science to the public in a way that's understandable so that people don't get scared when they hear some of these terms and they understand how scientific discovery can apply to them and their situation. So um, that's just kind of a little bit of of what we do. Since COVID, you know, since the advent of COVID, we have switched our activities a little bit, Um, maybe a lot, I guess, depending. (laughs) So um, instead of offering grants to early career investigators, right now we're offering funding to researchers. Our next cycle is focused on those early career investigators, but you know, say you have a project that was going to do 20 in-person assessments. Now you need to do them online and families aren't available for a full day. They're available for multiple half days. So, you know, we were supporting um, financially the adjustment of those um, of those studies so that they can accommodate families. Families can get supported um, in a different way. Like maybe if they're, you know, instead of one big visit, they had three smaller visits and they get paid appropriately for their efforts, um, for multiple visits. Um, but still trying to make sure that families have, um, as they get back as much as, as originally promised. Um, this includes any, you know, this includes basic science research. Sometimes, you know, you need to, um, regenerate cells that have a particular mutation or it includes, um, services based research. So we funded a project that, um, actually was supposed to be a school-based intervention for um, kids in South Texas um, who uh, would normally not receive access, normally not receive an intervention. They live in very, very remote areas. Well, now there's no school. So how do you deliver this intervention? So they, so the researchers kind of adapted an a online intervention, but they didn't have, these kids didn't have Google pads or whatever they're called chromebooks or anything Mm -hmm. and they don't even have internet access so we supported the purchase of some some equipment and some internet access so that these families could still receive intervention and the the researchers could study it in a rigorous way um during this during this situation we've also um i'm going to call it the situation because
0: I can I'll rate this e. I have I'll, I'll I've had use... two episodes that I've been able to put e, and I always apologize to my mom ahead of time. <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> we can just say um,
0: shitstorm because that's yeah, pretty much so what it I'm is. Yeah, so I'm
1: gonna keep it clean and just call it the situation or the pandemic. Gotcha. Um, we've also known that the families that we work with are need practical based support now. Mm -hmm. um so we have partnered with other organizations we're not doing this by ourselves like for example children's specialized hospital um we had a webinar on managing personal protective equipment so like kids a lot of kids have problems with masks how do you get them to wear a mask for even a short period of time if they're going back to school um what about the effects of social distancing in general You know, the masks itself has created, you know, a whole slew of problems for kids on the spectrum, not just in terms of wearing one, but interpreting facial expressions when other people are wearing them. When you
0: can't see the facial expressions. You
1: can't see the facial expressions. (laughs) And so kids that are being taught really, you know, have made huge strides in understanding those facial expressions get incredibly frustrated. And I completely get it. Uh, We've also had, you know, webinars on things like resiliency and trauma. Um, A lot of families are very worried that this is going to, this, you know, is going, is going to create altogether is going to be a traumatic event, which is going to be exact, you know, it gets, gets exacerbated as long as we go, or, Mm -hmm. you know, the more we go, but even for that short period of time was traumatic. And how do you manage that? And what resources do you turn to? Um, We're working with the L's for Autism Center on a, um, an initiative that is going to continue post situation slash pandemic on siblings so providing support to siblings um, who are not on the spectrum um, who do have brothers and sisters who are on the spectrum and um, this was actually initiated because a lot of college students are now home again and um, you know have been used to living apart from their family and now they're home again and so um, a number of them you know want to be helpful but don't really know the new fi- family dynamic and mm-hmm. also, you know, want to help in a bigger way than just, um, you know, just through the pandemic. So those are some of the examples of the webinar series that we have. We're also working with um, the autism navigator, which is um, an online tool for very young kids. So these are families of kids anywhere from six months to 18 months of age that, you know, and even younger, or even older that, these parents have concerns about their child's development. And, you know, in this social distancing situation, a lot of them are not able to get in-person assessments. Mm-hmm. And they're also not able to take their children to early intervention therapies. So um, the autism navigator had actually already established a, um, a toolkit and a, a video series and a number of resources within it's called autismnavigator.org. Um, And you can go online and you can watch videos and you can sign up and you can talk to other people in the community um, And you can get help um, one-to-one She's developed the the people there have developed tools And so we're really trying to get those resources out there to the community because there's a lot of families that need that more than ever right now Um, so and and then we're you know doing things across the spectrum, so not just for those that are young, we had webinars on employment, right? So um, no matter where you are on the spectrum, employment options have been changed dramatically. And what does that mean for people who, you know, used to go into an office and have that and now they have to work at home or maybe have lost their employment opportunities, depending on what jobs they have. Um, So how, you know, how do you adjust to this new, probably new economy? So, you know, those are just, you know, some of the online offerings that we have, have done. We, you know, we also have done the COVID grants Um, we're offering, we're having, you know, some more fun events for families to kind of decompress. We're offering um, next Wednesday, we're going to have a namaste at home with your kids um, to have like an online, very family friendly yoga, just for families to Mm. maybe get trained in a little bit of mindfulness and relaxation techniques. Um, so, um, you know, those are some of the things we're doing for the community. And then for the scientists, we're also feeling like this, you know, is an unprecedented time for researchers who are working really hard to help families. Some studies have had to stop. Um, some careers have been halted. We certainly don't want people who've invested three or four years in a study to help families, regardless of what the question is to just drop those three or four years of work. So we're trying to um, offer different resources, not just for families to participate in research, but for researchers to get access to families. So we've had research fairs um, where families and individuals who are doing online studies can hear about their work so that they can say, you know, okay, oh, this sounds good or this sounds good. And they're all not, they're autism related, but like I'm in a couple, you know, they can depend on the age of your child. I'm in a couple having to do with COVID in general, but has questions about children in the family who have a disability. Um, I also was involved in a, um, uh, a, a remote access um, telehealth survey. So these are things that families can participate in um, and maybe earn some money depending on what the study is. Um, and then also other resources for researchers like um, webinars. Like, we're just trying to disseminate webinar series. And also, we've compiled a list of alternative data sources for researchers so that they can access other people's data instead of having to collect their own. So, um, you know, we're just trying to keep things moving along science wise because we had had a period of really, you know, blossoming discoveries and really, try, you know, having families. Be able to help figure out what's going on um, And what they can do and and that's really kind of been on on you know on on pause um, Although some clinics are now starting to open up um, uh, With certain guidelines, you know some it goes anywhere from you get tested the day before you come in or two days before you go in to there's a clear glass plexiglass partition between you and the clinician um, so that families can get the services that they need.
0: Hmm. So if I were to just say, what have you guys been up to? We'll just say busy. (laughs) (laughs) Just say busy.
1: I just, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So we continue to do that. And then we also, you know, I mean, we want to be um, responsive to really the ever changing, you know, what's going on. I mean, I was just talking to somebody about this, you know, the first few, the first month, it was all about, all right, how do we, You know, how do we put a band-aid on this for the immediate time being because originally we thought this may be a month or two months, you know so how do we get people the services the help and The things that they need just to get us through this hump Well now it looks like it's there's it's gonna be longer and longer So, you know, how do we not only anticipate for what's coming but all and prepare ourselves but then also um, you know, be responsive to the ever-changing needs of families. Like, what what's going to happen with school next year?
0: Okay, one one second. Just sure. Are they at the front door, Emmett? They're
1: grabbing the stuff.
0: Okay, I don't know what the stuff is. Oh, it's hand sanitizer. <gasps> Hopefully, he'll just leave it on the front porch, like the note says. He
1: read
0: the note, and then he went back to get its stuff. Okay
1: great house
0: you didn't answer the door did you no like i could tell what he was saying like, yeah yeah i nodded and he laughed to grab the stuff okay well thank you for interrupting to tell me that can you shut the door thank you <laughs> sorry it's
1: good to know when people are at your door
0: well I, it came kind up on my watch that back. someone had uh well, and then they tried calling and then I, the camera uh, on the, on the doorbell, you know, I could see that there's somebody yeah. there, but I had to put this note up on the door because people just knock on the door and they wait for you to answer. And like, I can't answer the door mm-hmm. and I, and I keep telling them. So I got frustrated and I just put up this note that just says, Hey, we have an immunocompromised child that lives here. You can knock all you want. I can't answer. Mm-hmm. So if it's a package or delivered, just leave it off to the side. If you need to talk to me about something, you can push the doorbell button and then we can have a conversation back and forth yeah. that way. But, uh, he apparently, I guess, didn't do that, but I I don't like my, well, I don't allow my kids to answer the door period. Uh, cause it's especially where we live, but especially now. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, so he Emmett, you met Emmett last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he is, he is has designed these notes on printer paper that he just smacks Aww. up to the glass in the door. <laughs> oh,
1: what do they say?
0: Thanks <laughs> is the big one that he does. So when yeah. they drop them off, he just smacks on the door and it says, thanks.
1: Oh, <laughs> so he sees them and puts yeah. the note up so he could. Oh, that's nice.
0: Yeah. So he's.
1: Because then everybody gets somewhat of a personal connection. I mean. Yeah.
0: They're... And it's, I mean, it's, I like the fact that he's sort of thinking outside the box and he's um, you know we've become pretty isolated with all of this mm-hmm. well completely isolated and that's by design uh, but it's nice to see you know him making connections or even thinking to do that you know and then coming up with a, a creative way to problem solve how we do that rather than just yeah. using the camera and the doorbell that we have which is much easier but you know a for effort and it works
1: yeah yeah i like that he's making signs and putting them up and holding them up for people.
0: Yeah. Well, he, he pulls the curtain back and he just slams it in the glass. Well, <laughs> so so it's long like, it's <laughs> No, it's, it's real. It's real. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, you'd have broken windows.
0: Yeah. He's, he's, it's real thick glass, so he's not going to break okay. it, but it's just like, it's not, it's, it's just like, he's done it like 10 times today and he's tired of doing it. And he just smacks it up on a door and it says, thanks. <laughs> it's, just, it's funny. He's a funny kid. <laughs> Oh god. Um I don't remember what the last thing you said was.
1: Um Oh, we were talking about um you know, things are changing very quickly. Oh, yeah. um, and, you know, at the very beginning of this, we were very concerned about getting families through the initial hump, I guess. Oh, you yeah, you it.
0: talked about like a Band-Aid and now it's yeah, like... Yeah,
1: Band-Aid to just kind of get people through. And then now it seems like this is dragging on and even dragging on into the fall. And so we need to think about preparing kids for school, however they go to school, if they go, you know, whatever. Whatever decision is made about school we need to, to help families prepare for that. Um, so, um, you know, I mean, so so it started out, I mean, we started out thinking, okay, we're, we're going to do things on the immediate, right? right. Like We're going to do things, um, we're going to try to assess the needs of people right now so we can address them right now. We put out, we, we did some surveys, we, you know, talked to a bunch of people and we tried to get what we should do right now, which is was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But now we you know, are realizing that things, um, are going to stay, you know, we're, we're going to be in, we're going to be in some version of this for a while. Yeah. So how do we continue to support families and continue science and research? Because, um, that should not stop. If you put that on hold, it could set us back decades.
0: Yeah. And, and it, you know, it was like when this whole thing first started, it was, we had to adapt, right. And you figure mm-hmm. it's like, how do we adapt to get through the next 30 days or something like that? Cause we all thought it was just going to be a, whatever. And now it's become, we have, how do we sustain? How do now it's like survival? How do you survive yeah. until this mm-hmm. is over? And then it'll be, how do we adapt to whatever is taking place after that? Like reclaiming our lives or, or getting back to some type of new, like for us, it's sort of like life outside the house. Like as simple as that is, I, I haven't set foot in a store in like four months. And, and, and I used to go to the store all the time and mm-hmm. like, I, I don't even know. And, you know, Gavin, my oldest, uh, he's 20, but he's, uh, he has childhood disintegrative disorder. And so he's, he's, he's about five or six years old cognitively. Mm. I had been working with him to build up, um, working on like life skills, right? Cause, mm. cause I want him to be able to go into the store and purchase something, you know, mm-hmm. and it got to the point where he could, I could go to the Walgreens on a corner he could run in and grab a gallon of milk. The, you know, the store clerks were always the same. They loved him. They, they you know, it was always like a he'd give them the cash and he'd make sure the change was right. And he'd come back out with his gallon of milk or, you know, and it was as simple as that is for most people. That's a major accomplishment for him. We'd go to the pizza place and he would go in and he would pick up the pizza and pay for it and come out with it. And, and that made him feel good. Like the look on his face when he came out, just like everybody else did like that was so empowering for him and we haven't been able to do that
1: that's on hold
0: yeah, yeah. it's on hold and then you know, with him it requires constant repetition and consistency mm-hmm. and so when the opportunity presents itself again at some point in the future i don't know where we're going to be i don't know if we're going to have to start over again cuz there's not always a lot of like muscle memory kind of stuff you know it's 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 learn and constantly do it over and over and over again or we lose that skill And, and I think a lot of families are, are struggling with that. And that leads to one of my questions. Uh, What are some of the challenges autism families are currently facing right now?
1: So, you know, I think the effects of social distancing obviously are, is a huge one. And Mm -hmm. so as you, you know, as you described, it can be anything from, you know, your kid not having their regular routine to, losing access to services because they were primarily in person um it, there was a lag with telehealth um some things just don't translate all the time from in person to telehealth um routines are have been forget disrupted it's not like you know yeah. we're you know we're going to Walgreens not Rite Aid today it's it's um you know completely thrown out the window and that's led to a lot of behavior problems i have to say that's been kind of something that we've been hearing over and over again is that um, kids with special needs that have lost access to the consistency um, are experiencing aggression and outbursts, Mm -hmm. um, irritability and anxiety um, that are not even being, those needs are not really being even met with telehealth. And so it's an area that people continue to struggle with. All the telehealth appointments in the world may not be able to um, really get to that core issue of loss of consistency. It's going to take, again, developing a new routine and about you know and going through that new routine. Um, so I think in the beginning, families were thinking, um,
0: we got you this. You know,
1: okay, well I'll just <laughs> suffer through it for two months. And now it's like, no, we're going to have to develop a new routine. As time has gone on, more and more families have lost their jobs or now um, showing, you know, you know, financial insecurity, however you want to define that, um, either they're having problems getting access to food or a fear of losing their home. Um, they're not able to, um, you know, meet their family's basic needs anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that's of concern and that's affecting the autism community that's already been, that is already financially stretched, right? Because they're paying, you know, we're paying out of pocket for a lot of services, um, you know, or receiving services in school that we're not receiving anymore. Um, and so it's, some. Um, you know, th- th- those have been huge challenges. Um, in addition to, um, and, and there are studies going on to really kind of quantify this, is the ongoing mental health challenges of being isolated, um, having your kids act out, um, you know, become aggressive, not all kids you know this not all kids are cute two-year-olds having a tantrum they're grown adult men who are you know striking out um through no fault of their own this is they're suffering through this and so um but the toll that that the emotional toll that that takes on their family members both that live with them and that don't live with them has Mm. been enormous and so um you know that's That that we talked about getting back to school. That's one solution for respite, but um, may not be possible for everyone.
0: And, you know, one of the things just as we were talking about the school, I was talking to somebody else, somebody, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, initially we had to deal with, okay, the schools are shut down. So we're moving to remote learning. So we're disrupting their routine that they had every day because they were in school every day. There was fallout from that. Mm -hmm. By keeping them home and having to educate them at home, we're disrupting their home routine. And so Mm -hmm. it's like a double whammy, like, like we're screwed no matter what we do. Mm -hmm. And, and you, in order to, to address it, you have to, you have to now develop a third routine, which they're going to be resistant to and, Mm -hmm. and find a way to balance it. (sighs) What Emmett, what, what? There there is no issue right now. Fine. What?
1: The hand sanitizer is fine. Okay. But the ceiling was not put on.
0: Okay. The ceiling? Oh, seal. Yeah. Okay. All that stuff can wait. Okay. Okay. Honestly, please. Sorry. It's okay. I'm still here. (sighs) Anxiety. Anxiety. Yes. A lot of anxiety. Anxiety. You, you, you rip up their routine. And and this is just an example Mm -hmm. of, of, uh, and I'll probably just leave that in because it's reality (laughs) for us right now. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. And it's going on in kids without ASD or special needs. Right. So imagine what it goes on with kids and you nailed it on the head. It's not just their school routine which Mm -hmm. they become accustomed to, but it's now their home routine. And the, also, you know, the uncertainty of what's going to happen down the road is anxiety provoking for families and for, you know, some cognitively abled kids. Right. Mm -hmm. So they don't know what's going to happen. I get asked by my daughter who isn't on the spectrum all the time. Like, are we going back to school? What's going to, what's it going to look like? And I have to say, I don't know right now. Well, that's not what I want to say to, you know, like I want to be a parent and say, this is what's going to happen. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And so imagine, you know, having that when that's what you rely on. is like, I expect this to happen, yep. and I know this is going to happen. And, you know, being at home, it disrupts your home routine, but it also leads to a certain sense of uncertainty because you're trying to mix the two. Um, you know, parents are trying to adhere to some school routine or some, some past routine. So mm-hmm. we want to call it school routine, some past routine trying to adhere to that in an imperfect world where um it's not going to happen that way you know so um the expectations are not matching the reality
0: and as parents most of us aren't teachers right and 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 we don't have like i've 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 been very lucky to well it's been a challenge working from home but i've been doing it for about 10 years uh and it just i i I had no choice because it became I had to meet the needs of of my kids and I couldn't do that while working outside the house. And there, there is just this. If, if you're experiencing this for the first time and you're trying to adapt to that, Mm -hmm. that's world altering to begin with because Mm -hmm. there's that uncertainty, there's that stress, there's that anxiety. Then when your kids see you home, when you're not supposed to be home, or or they're home when they're not supposed to be home mm-hmm. it just creates like like when Emmett came in a few minutes ago it was very clearly we're blocked off from two to three That's all i need guys all day today i need from two o'clock to three o'clock and then you guys can you know whatever you need for me is is there and and they get anxious because something happens and they don't know what to do and you know i don't know how much of it is sort of projection in a way because like they can't deal with the pandemic, but he can deal with the fact that the hand sanitizer was delivered with no seal. Like I am not that like I have to tell dad right now because that's just the most important thing. And you know, and so you see anxiety kind of pop up like that. And that was just a really good example of of that. How are families coping? Like are you guys hearing Are people like reaching out to you guys and like, I don't know what to do, how?
1: They're struggling. How do we do this? We're (laughs) all struggling. And what kills me the most is when I talk to parents and they feel like they're doing a less than adequate job. You know, like what really, really hurts me emotionally, I guess, is that when I hear parents say, I'm not doing what I should be doing. I can't do it. I'm a teacher myself, or I have to work from home to support my family, or I have to do this and I have to do this. And so I'm not able to do it all. And that's what what really hurts to hear, right is that families are holding themselves up to like such a high Impossible because they do standard. they have to be on, right? Like you have to be super dad. They, you have to be on all the time. And when you can't be, you feel like a failure. And yep. so that I think is the most uh, that hurt when I hear that, I get really I'm getting emotional now. I, I get know. really emotional. Um, the rest, the the other, the, just the frustration and the there's also you know, um, you know frustration at, you know anger at this whole situation, which I can completely empathize with, and just you know be like we're all feeling it. Go ahead and just feel all those feels because this is what's happening, and I can totally understand how parents feel exhausted and anxious. And in fact, you know we're all anxious. Parents are anxious. Teachers are anxious. It's going to, we can't help it. I'm not saying we're doing anything wrong, It trickles but down. the kids are going to feel it. Yep. And there's no way, I mean, there are some times where I'll just have a bad day and I'll yell at the girls and I'll just be like, that wasn't about you. That was about me, but yet it came out about you. And it's, 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 it's hard on parents and we're supposed to be the adults. Um, and it's also been hard for people on the spectrum who um you know, also had routines and who have, you know, lost job opportunities, Mm -hmm. um, or educational opportunities, um, or, you know, you know, uh, other services, day programs, right? So day programs are, are shut down. And so it's not just, it's, it's, it's problematic for everybody. And it's challenging for everybody. And you can't help but, like, share your anxiety with, other people
0: around you when you're when you're an autism parent you have a very symbiotic relationship with your child and Mm -hmm. so what you feel even even if you try to hide it as best you can that can be very very difficult to to navigate like when Mm -hmm. um trying to think oh yeah when we spoke it was early it was just a couple months ago i think Um,
1: yeah i'm trying to remember
0: yeah i i have it i have it down here somewhere It all slurs together. But the point is, is like uh, a year ago when my wife left and I became a single dad, um, that was a very difficult situation to navigate because I was grieving. My kids were grieving, but I I had to, I, I felt like I had to hide from them what I was experiencing so that it didn't compound what they were experiencing or didn't make them feel like they had to choose sides or something like that. And, and when as this thing just sort of drags on, (laughs) you know, we, uh, you know, I I might be anxious about the mortgage or I'm anxious because, uh, you know, my income hasn't been what it has been. And, you know, I don't want to tell the kids that, but I have to say, okay, guys, we're going to back off of this because we need to, you know, things are going to be a little tighter this month or something like that. Yeah. But then they worry, you know Mm -hmm. I mean? But if I don't tell them and I just tell them, no, they don't accept that. And that almost is more stressful for that. And there's no way to win. And, and so you're right. You do. I've talked to people and I've talked about this for years. Like I, no matter what I do, one of the first things you have to accept when you become a parent to a child with special needs is that no matter what you do on your best day, it will never be enough to meet all of their needs Mm -hmm. because you're human Mm -hmm. And, and you are, you are a human being charged with a job that requires superhuman abilities. And, and just because you can't meet that doesn't mean that you're failing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you're a bad parent. It means that you're human and you have limitations and there is no one on this planet harder on me than I am on myself. Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you hear those people say that it's, they, they judge themselves so harshly and that is so demoralizing. And I, and I, I hate hearing that from people because it's so heartbreaking. I always call it like an irrational guilt. It's a guilt that you can't help but have but it shouldn't be there right like you're not doing something wrong you feel guilty about something that is completely outside of your control are you guys able to 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 sort of help redirect or, or sort of shift that perspective a little bit
1: so yeah i mean i think the um you know some of the webinars that we've had um we first of all we try and make them unique because you know people can go there's a lot of different good resources for You know, delivering speech therapy to your kid. I mean, that's not um, unique, but, um, you know, things like resiliency and trauma. I mean, these are topics that parents are concerned about and need a go to place to go, right? They Mm -hmm. need to know what are the resources that are available for me. Um, I'm feeling traumatized by all this. Um, I mean, so those sorts of resources I tell families and I continue to tell families. You have to give yourself a break. You cannot continue to expect such high, you know, such high levels of perfection
0: mm-hmm.
1: ever, but especially right now. And the best thing you can do is just tell yourself that you're doing your the best job you can, that you're going to get through this because we are gonna get through this. We may or may not be stronger as a result of it, <laughs> but we're gonna get through it. Less hair. And <laughs> um and you, you know you can't take care of someone else until you take care of yourself yes so we also did one on self care so we did it for parents and for for people on the spectrum because you know you know there the depending on the abilities of things like mindfulness training mm-hmm. um and hygiene i mean we had some some kind of tips on self care um as things you know, I, I would love to hear from from your audience. What sorts of resources do you think that are needed, and um, we can provide at least in a webinar? I mean, not, you know, I, I that that's the sort of thing that we can do. Right. Um, I can't provide direct counseling to every person, but I can compile things that people need and provide resources for them. So, you know, though, though, absolutely. I mean, that that's something that we hope that people are aware of, but
0: are those archived? Like, yeah, are they, they are. They They're on can...
1: so ASF has a COVID resources page. And then okay. you you go to autism science foundation.org and then there's a COVID resources page. And then you literally, you know, run your cursor over it. And there's some for families, for scientists, for teachers and care providers. Um, there's teaching tools, um, for for other tools. And then there's at the bottom the webinar series. And so it's a whole list of things that we've pulled from other organizations and then also things we've created ourselves.
0: So I'll make sure that we link that uh, in in the show notes because sort of the feedback that I've been getting from parents and I've been getting messages since we're sitting here. um, Like they, they are absolutely lost because there there's no, there's no support group really that covers lockdown with your autistic kids in a global Mm -hmm. pandemic. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's hard for like typical families Mm -hmm. to understand how much more challenging or how much, how much more complex, Mm -hmm. that's what I want to say. How much more complex, uh, a situation is for an autism family right now, simply because it was already more complex to begin with. And now we've done the worst thing you can do to an autistic kid and shake up their routine or, or obliterate it and, Mm -hmm. uh, force them to try and adopt something new, sort of under duress really. Mm -hmm. And, and then not lose your mind in the process.
1: No, you're absolutely right. I mean, and so that's going to take more than a webinar, you know, um, although it's, you know it's there there are some things that you can pull out of that that's that you know consulting a you know having you know the opportunity to hear from an expert on a particular topic may help mm-hmm. with um but you know how to manage your special need child under lockdown is 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 a pretty a pretty big issue but it's something that there you know there may need to be a toolkit for um Because this is going to, I mean, I think at the beginning it was like, okay, well, you know, we don't, we we don't really know what's going to happen here, but now we know that this is going to drag on for a little while. And so we should be prepared.
0: (sighs) One of the, this whole, it really is. It's it's so exhausting (laughs) to, to, uh, and it's demoralizing, I think in a way, because like a lot of times you can say, okay, well, summer break is over in the middle of August. So I have to make it to the middle of August. We have no idea when this is going to end. And so the light at the end of the tunnel, it just is, it just, it's like that, uh, we have, um, we used to have a restaurant around here called Joe's Crab Shack and 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 they have a sign on the outside that says free crab tomorrow. And, uh, it's always tomorrow never tomorrow today, I guess is Mm a point. So like, it's sort of the same thing. Like we'll get through this someday and there's, there's no, you just like, you can already see yourself running out of resources, emotionally, physically, financially.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And I mean, it's, it's, how do you, how do you hold on? How do you, uh, you know, maintain whatever progress you've made with your kids up until now. And, uh, And so it is, it's, it's, it's overwhelming and it's exhausting. And I'm just, as you're, as you're talking about these things, I'm sort of checking off these lists in my head because I'm like, yep, that's us. Yep. That's us. That's us. You know? And it's, and it's like, my God, I've never really sort of said them, said them like that. But like, there's a whole lot of obstacle right now that, that, uh, that we have to try and figure out a way to, to navigate. Um, one of the biggest ones right now and, and it's sort of the topic of conversation in the news is what are we doing with school? Mm-hmm. So what, what, what do you guys see happening as far as school goes uh, for this coming fall?
1: So that depends on where you live, um, what state you live in, and when your school would normally open. So um, I've heard differences um, in, based on school district in the same state. Um, There are different plans afoot to do either, you know, all on uh, most schools are trying to open in some way, which we talked about, I think is important because um, for many reasons, we need to get back to school. Um, There's nothing like having that in person interaction between Mm -hmm. a teacher and a student in a in a school setting. Um, It's not just a notion. It's an established practice. Um, But there are also kids that rely on school for nutrition, um, and for food and for, you know, other services, right? They've been saying um, safety,
0: like kids, teachers pick up on a lot of abuse mm
1: -hmm, and things mm -hmm. like that.
0: And now there's no one there to protect the kids.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Mental health. Right. And not that parents can't manage their own child's mental health, but like sometimes it takes a guidance counselor, a school nurse to maybe point something out. So Mm -hmm. we do have to get back to school. The issue is whether or not, What safety precautions are we going to take? And so some school districts have plans. Some don't. Some of them are doing um, morning. Some of them are doing afternoon. Some of them um, are opening completely five days a week. And if you're not comfortable, you have an online teaching option. Um, You know, so there's different variables depending on where you live and when your school opens, right? Because some schools are opening in August and some wait until September when, and so things could look a little bit different in September compared to August. There are states that are seeing cases on the rise and states that are seeing cases on the decline. And so even within, you know, even within the country, there's different perspectives on how schools should open. I think that, you know, everyone from the AAP to the government has said, schools need to be open in some way. How do we make that happen? The trick is getting administration to get creative um, and to get thinking out of the box to make this happen.
0: One of the things that I was just thinking when you were saying that is, you know, if they do things like mandate masks and social distancing and stuff like that, which I I think it's probably going to be part of it just for a basic level of safety, when you're dealing with kids on a spectrum... Uh, my, my kids for the most part do okay with masks. I've had to try like 10 different kinds in mm-hmm. order and we've settled on like the, um, I forget what they're called, but they're like, um, turtlenecks. Remember turtlenecks? Oh, I yeah. I've Andy, seen, yeah, I know what
1: you're, th- I know the ones you're you talking about. You can just sort of
0: pull they, it up like a yeah. ninja mask or something over yeah. the bottom of your face. Those seem to be, uh, the most comfortable for them because it doesn't pull around their ears okay. or, or anything like that. But, you know, getting these kids to wear a mask in a school environment under a new routine, under a new whatever, uh, that's going to be tough because there's a lot of kids that won't tolerate a mask, period, let alone stressing them out. Uh, Like when 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 um, like Emmett, for example, he he was off camera when you when you when he came in here, but uh, the more anxious he gets the less clothing he has on, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like he's very sensory oriented. So when it's really, when he starts to get stressed out, his shoes and socks are off. And then when he's really stressed out, his shirt is the next thing that goes. And he was without a shirt. So I know he's, Mm -hmm. he's stressing out. So trying to get someone like that to wear a mask is going to be a challenge. So it's almost and the standard approach for autistic kids is not necessarily going to work for, uh, or the standard approach for, for typical students isn't, necessarily going to work.
1: Right, right. So there are some, you know, when it comes to wearing a mask or other personal protective equipment, so um, ASF is working with Children's Specialized Hospital on a webinar series for practical tips. We had, you know, practical tips and strategies to implement um, personal protective equipment. The next one is going to be managing your child's um, IEP from home or from managing, changing, whatever your IEP. But um, For masks, it came out that uh, starting early. So let's start start with the exposure to masks now Mm -hmm. and try and do it for longer and longer periods of time. If your child, you know, the other thing is sometimes kids find masks scary. So maybe get a mask or even put a piece of um, the the mask you wear, um, some sort of, you know, funny fabric. If your kids like Spider-Man or they like, Mm -hmm. you know, cats or whatever to do that and offer just complete positive reinforcement um, and also just try and keep them wearing it longer and longer and longer and the, that whole webinar is archived on the ASF um, COVID webinars page but this is something that is a huge barrier for kids to do and you know even the younger kids like I think even in kindergarten you know for preschool and kindergarten I think they're just saying, you know, they're not going to be able to wear a mask. Um, and so they're, they're going to have to make concessions if they want kids to go back to school. But um, also I've heard just the fa- I mean, now that we know it's in the air, it may not be as safe, but just the, the masks, the, the face guards yeah. that sit on the head and it's just like a piece of um, plastic, plastic and it goes all around. So you're not touch you're not it's not touching your he- face. It's pretty comfortable on the top. It will protect, again, the big droplets. But as it's in the air and it gets kind of underneath, um, that may not be as effective. But, you know, I know doctors wear them both, right? So Mm -hmm. they wear the masks and then they wear the face guards.
0: One of the... uh, And and I guess we can sort of wrap things up with this because it's sort of the elephant in the room. When we're already hearing... um, people in the sort of science denier arena or the anti-vaxxer, uh, arena pushing out misinformation about the COVID vaccine causing autism or things like that. I mean, like we're in, we're in 2020 and we're still having this conversation, which is insane. What, uh, are you guys, are you guys seeing pushback on, on vaccines still?
1: So we are, the conversation has changed, right? So the conversation isn't necessarily when it comes to the COVID vaccine, it's not around autism, although it could be. I mean, when a vaccine comes out, there could be concern about autism. Right now, I feel like the concern is that a vaccine, just like the masks, right? A vaccine is going to impede on my civil rights, that I have the right not to be vaccinated. I have the right not to wear a mask it's my body, it's my choice. If I want to inject my child with toxic, there's no toxic, if I want to inject my child with something, I'll do it. But if I don't want to do it, I won't do it. There still seems to be this complete lack of understanding of science or public health um, that is pervading not just the, the flu vaccine or the MMR vaccine, but now a potential COVID vaccine. And you have people already saying i will never get vaccinated against covid um i think one of the worst things i know we're all anxious for a vaccine i am i want to you know i'm looking forward to there being a vaccine and i feel safe but the worst thing that can happen is that if we rush a vaccine through safety mm-hmm. and efficacy because the what you don't want to have happen is have a vaccine that's only 75 percent effective which means that everyone has this false sense of security. I'm vaccinated, I'm vaccinated, my family's vaccinated, my parents are vaccinated, and then somebody gets sick because it's not 100% effective. But you would assume that it would be because it's a vaccine, it should be. What we need is, unfortunately, we need a little bit of time, we can't rush this, and I know that's hard to hear, and it's hard for everyone to hear, but we need to make sure the vaccine is effective, and it's safe, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of vac- a lot of stuff doesn't make it through because it's safe, it's unsafe. So, you know, that's why, you know, one thing the government is doing is investing in multiple vaccine, vaccines, like different vaccines, mm-hmm. because they say, if one doesn't make it, we have got another one on the horizon. If that one doesn't make it, we got another one, we got another one, we got it. A- that's kind of, the, to, to do that and do it right is the right approach, because you want to have as many, you know, you want to have as many options as possible and you want to support good science. Um, and you're willing to say that some of them are going to fail. Some of this is not going to work out. Um, but we're willing to take that risk because we want to invest in something that does work out. And so, um, it's important that we're, we're investing in that vaccine development. Of course it's, you know, we don't want to hear, Oh, it's going to be another three or four months before we get a vaccine. you know, like past, Right. This year, or it might be into the spring of next year when we have a vaccine. I don't want to hear that. But I would rather hear that than get vaccinated and then go visit my parents and then have one of them get sick. Yeah. Right. Because they thought that they were protected. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's just a complicated issue, but I think we're getting more into not a specific outcome of concern. The outcome of concern is my own personal choice and my own personal liberty and the decisions that I make about my own body and not about what's what's scientifically correct or what is the best interest in public health.
0: Yeah, th- that actually makes a lot of sense because it. I think it sort of started out, the whole vaccine debate, I think, started with uh, that Wakefield study, right? Mm-hmm. And And then that became all about autism. And then over time, I mean, it's countless study after study after study after study. Has disproven that, mm-hmm. and so now it's sort of the, the narrative is shifting to okay, well, if we can't stop it this way, then it's going to be you're you're infringing on my constitutional right not to get a vaccine. I don't think it says anything in the Constitution about vaccines. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's, we're having the same thing with masks. You know, you can't force me to wear a mask. I woke up in a free country. At some mm-hmm. point, we, we have to have there has to be a we turn off this whole personal liberty thing. And focus on, look, we are in a a temporary state that we will not get through if we don't all make a sacrifice to our personal liberty Mm. and and uh, and put on a mask, you know, and social distance and put off your barbecues and, you know, and just ride this out as best we can so we can get through it in a a shorter amount of time and you can get back to doing all that stuff. I was just talking to my mom about uh, the vaccine, uh, you know the other day and and like my personal concern is it's less about the safety side of it because i mean i think vaccines are sort of delivered like they the delivery is kind of the same similar thing right so safety yeah. wise i think they they have that uh but it's it's the the uh, efficacy like i don't want a false sense of security I, I don't want to have something just to shut me up and and then go outside thinking we're okay and and have it be ineffective like a like a bad uh some years they have flu shots that are only 30% effective or something you know, because the mm-hmm. strain changes. I don't want something like that. Yeah. I'd rather them take their time and get it right so that it helps the most people uh, for the longer period of time. Um, my last question is, do you guys have vaccine-related info and resources? So if parents are concerned or people yes. are worried about this, can they? You have something that they can they can check out and get science and resources and and facts because facts are sort of an, an endangered species right now.
1: <laughs> we absolutely do. So if you go to the Autism Science Foundation homepage, mm-hmm. um, let me give you the exact right. Um, If you go under what is autism, there's a whole section on autism and vaccines. Now, when it comes to autism and vaccines, we have a comprehensive library of not just the summary of the studies, but links to the abstracts of the studies. Um, We've broken it down to the vaccine itself, to thimerosal, to different types of vaccines, whether it's the flu vaccine or DPT or MMR. Mm -hmm. Um, So when it comes to autism, we have that. Now, we don't really know much about The COVID vaccine right now, there is a resource at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia um, called the Vaccine Education Center, and they've actually compiled what is actually known about a vaccine, about a COVID vaccine, um, and it's covidvaccineanswers.org, C-O-V-I-D, vaccineanswers.org, and everyone should feel free to reach out to that. I do also want to make one comment about understanding science that's happened really just like taken off during this age of age of COVID or whatever, is that um, journalists and the media are are less are, are really on top of what's hot, what's new, what's different. What can I what what can I report that no one else is reporting about this? And so they're turning to something called preprints. So preprints are something where you submit a journal to an art, uh, 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 submit an article to a journal. Mm-hmm. They have peer reviewed people that read it, and then they they say you got to do another experiment. You can't say this. This analysis is inappropriate. You can't make this conclusion, and it gets published. In order to kind of speed up scientific discovery, there was a movement. The preprint movement was that you submit your article to a preprint server before it gets reviewed. And in fact, in the field of genetics, it's been revolutionary. It has really shifted in a good way the way people collaborate with each other. They'll see, oh, they're looking at this. Why don't we look at this? Why don't we call them, do a study together? I mean, it has really been amazing. However, in when it comes to COVID, it's had the unintended consequence of having journalists in the media go in and look at these preprints, which have not been vetted. And we're seeing this with the the, you know some of the early treatments, that they haven't really been vetted, they haven't been reviewed, but they're getting reported on by the media because they're out there in the preprint world, and the media doesn't know that this is not for public consumption. It's for scientists to share ideas with each other and to speed up science, but it's no substitute for a published article. Mm-hmm. But yet they're up there, they're quick, they're fast, you can you know, download the figures really quickly, and I think there's been a lot of misinformation going on about COVID Thanks to what really is a great thing, which are preprints, but they're allowing media access to things. I mean, a lot of the things about um, some of the early treatments, the erythromycin and hydroxyquinolones trials, you know, that was because they were pulled off of preprints and they weren't. Then they found out later the the um, you know the statistics done were were completely wrong. And but in the meantime, people are demanding these drugs, and so I think. We need to go back to understanding science
0: and accepting science, right? Mm-hmm. Like, without delving into like the politics of everything, like uh, the last three and a half years ha- has been very frustrating for me because I am a facts guy. I like mm-hmm. science. I feel like that is that is the foundation for everything. Is is science in fact, and and people have just stopped believing in it, you know, or, 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 uh, I, I just, I, I just, I don't know. It's really frustrating. I cannot wait for a time when we have established facts and not alternative facts and not opinion facts. And, and science is at the forefront of, uh, of all of this. Like if, if we had the, uh, the, the healthcare professionals, um, or public health officials dealing with, you know, unrestricted, just dealing with the crisis, the way that it needs to be dealt with, we may not be here right now. And, uh, and we need science and we need, we need
1: facts. I totally agree. Thank you for saying that.
0: You're welcome. I am, I'm very much a science and fact person and it's, they're like an endangered species anymore (laughs) And, and it's.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that's gone on that, you know, I think, unfortunately, um, Anyone who's looking to make a quick buck or seem relevant is throwing their hat in the ring with crazy stuff. And I won't get into all the examples, but um, If if it if it seems completely counter to scientific evidence, if someone's claiming a conspiracy exists, if someone is saying that um, this is, you know, some sort of this, this particular thing, in fact, is something that's being done in order to profit someone else. Um, beware. Yeah. You know, Bu- think critically beware. about it. And if they're the only one saying it, that's the other thing. If they're the only one saying it and everyone else is saying, I mean, this whole thing about like, oh, it's more dangerous to wear them. I mean, I understand people don't like wearing masks. I'm not trying to poo-poo that. But the whole idea that wearing a mask will make your symptoms worse is ridiculous. Only like two people in the world are saying that. So maybe you know, think about they, and, and where that they have people from.
0: that'll put on uh, pulse oximeters and and switch out different masks, and they'll show you that that their O2 sets remain the same yeah. on all the masks. And, yeah. No, and,
1: they're uncomfortable. Yeah. Nobody wants to wear them. Just I'm say not it's saying uncomfortable. Everyone should love them, but. They don't make your symptoms worse, and they don't give you, I mean, some people are saying they, they can, in fact, transmit COVID, not if you dispose of them, unless you, you take one off someone who has and lick it or and something. Put it on.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a frustrating time yeah uh but i really do appreciate your time it's always a fun conversation I appreciate
1: conversation. you spending time with me i love talking to you tell emmett i said hello i
0: will do that he's already standing outside the door because <laughs> oh, i'm 15 okay. minutes he over. wants to get you i'll let you go <laughs> uh i'll have all that information um in the in the show notes so people can uh check out the site and and get into those resources because that facts matter people and and especially now it's life and death potentially mm-hmm. so so deal with facts and science Um, thank you very, very much. Stay safe. Thank you.
1: Uh,
0: and I'll, I'll talk to you again soon.
1: Okay. Thank you. Stay safe. You too. Bye. -bye. Bye.
0: Before I close things out today, I just wanted to say thank you to Lisa for coming on the show and, and talking to me about, uh, or having a conversation with me about all of the ways that COVID-19 is impacting the autism community. There's so many things that we have to be aware of, you know, the biggest issue at the moment, I think right now is, is dealing with what we're going to do with school. Uh, and, and so I, I appreciate the conversation. Um, I will have all of the information for the autism science foundation and, and things like that in the show notes below. So we'll be able to, uh, find all that and check out the resources. Uh, you can find me at the autismdad.com. All my social links are at the top of the page. Uh, you can subscribe to this podcast on any one of your favorite podcasting apps, and please, if you haven't already done so, please rate this, this show. I would really appreciate it. Uh, it helps me to kind of learn what I'm doing right and doing wrong. Uh, and lastly, uh, please stay safe. I, I know there's a lot going on. This isn't easy, but wash your hands, social distance, wear a mask, and, uh, we, we will get through this. So stay safe. Uh, have a great weekend and I will talk to you next week. Autistic kids can sometimes struggle to learn new skills, such as riding a bike, reading, or simply having a conversation to a high level of proficiency and automaticity. Brainiac is a brain enhancement program that gets to the root of the problem. It builds stronger brain and body connections that elevate learning capacity within four to six months. Brainiac cross trains motor movement, visual auditory and cognitive thinking connections using fun, interactive video games. Strengthened connections allow kids to learn new skills and perform them automatically with more confidence and greater independence. Brainiac is for homes and schools. Visit canoe.com. That's K-I-N-U-U dot com. And be sure to use the code theAutismDAT at checkout to save $500. It's a limited time offer and it will expire on May 31st.